Hello, you're listening to The Culture Bore, where we stumble through a dense wood of words, language and imagery. It's an intuitive nose through books, a nose at art. We nosy our way to the cinema. I'm Susan Gordon, and here we make sense of what we find, always aiming for the common sense of a spiky yet contented wild boar. I usually enjoy a sense of timelessness. I'm not thinking about the day, month or year I'm in, or how dates on a calendar may be working with or against me. As I speak, however, I cannot forget that tomorrow is the last day of the year. In December and January, a clock appears. It's ticking and it's loud. The holiday season does more than invite reflection. It virtually enforces it. The traditions of Christmas have us tunneling back to the past. Old stories, both secular and religious, culinary inventions which have been enjoyed for centuries, and classic songs all reanimate the past. Reanimated, the past is so full of meaning and so lifelike, there's a need to amplify the present. If we don't, it threatens to become a bystander. The nostalgia of Christmas and even New Year's celebrations can be wonderful, but there's only so much curation we can do. New Year's can feel like being made to stand in front of a mirror, without makeup or flattering lights. Looking back means reflecting, and there's no editing or reflection. A reflection is unadorned. A reflection is as bald as a blade. The path to nostalgia is narrow. The only weather to celebrate is snow or frost. The songs played are the same ones. The films we watch bear yet another viewing. Our cultural choices become almost uniquely homogenous. I'm no different. On Christmas Eve, I watched Die Hard and then a festive edition of Channel 4's The Bake Off. I would not have had it any other way. It was the first time I've ever watched The Bake Off, having heard so much about it for maybe seven or eight years, although I do see my fair share of reality TV. Nowhere else have I seen such a warm celebration of the amateur. Everything that's good about an amateur, their generosity, their will, their ambition, is greeted with open arms. The contestants don't have plans to open a patisserie or bake for a royal wedding, and that's okay. After the bake-off and a good night's sleep, a restlessness crept up on me. I had no taste for musicals. I did not want to hear another carol. I had a curiosity and leaning towards kitchen sink drama. This I cannot explain to myself, never mind anyone else. Earlier in the month, I'd been absorbed by Alan Solito's Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, to the extent that I sought out its late author's 1995 memoir, Life Without Armour. This wasn't my first encounter with a distinctive milieu. Many years ago, I enjoyed the loneliness of the long-distance runner on screen. Room at the top impressed me both as a novel and a film, and looked back in anger, just trying my patience. Yet here I was on Christmas Day, clicking play on A Kind of Loving, a 1962 film adaptation of Stan Barstow's novel, published two years before. Alan Bates is one of the leads, and that was a draw. After seeing him in a 1960s version of Far From the Madding Crowd, I made up my mind then that I'd watch him in pretty much anything. A kind of loving raises another personal question, another that I cannot answer. Would I find the chimney stacks endlessly chugging pollution over the town quite so interesting if they belonged to my own time? Would I enjoy the scenery so much if it was part of my story too? What's the real pleasure here? Is it drama? Is it well-made drama? Is it a sense of authenticity? Or is it that these pictures inform me? 
will serve as reminders. Is it history that I really enjoy? The term kitchen sink drama immediately implies an examination of social issues, but in cinema, this kind of study has never gone away. I sometimes think that films work best when they make a simple but fairly universal point. I feel this is true of The Wicker Man, which I watched over the holiday season, with a 2023 restoration of the film widely available. There we have a group of people, the Summerall residents, who are never going to be swayed from their beliefs. A visitor, the investigating police officer, Sergeant Neil Howey, will never be swayed from his. It creates a stalemate situation, and there can be no winners. After The Wicker Man, I revisited the 2011 film adaptation of Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy. When I go back to films after a gap of a few years, they are often more violent than I remembered, and so it was here. But the violence needs to be there if the audience is to understand what's at stake, especially today when incursions into our privacy and the mishandling of information is so common. More of a who is it than a who done it, this spy story is a reminder of how poisonous a lie can be. Finally, the radio is a mainstay at this time of year. For me, there's no better companion while I pot about in the kitchen or check on the oven again. Yet a friendly broadcaster's voice is usually an unsung treasure. A particular highlight was hearing Colm Toybin's interview for a November edition of Radio 3's The Verb. I sometimes think that hearing creatives talk about their craft is like travelling in second or third class when you could travel in first. It's a weak comparison to just enjoying their work directly. This interview is an exception to my homemade rule. It's full of insight and it never forgets its audience. It's available on iPlayer for a year. That's it for this week and I hope you've enjoyed this slightly alternative take. Thank you for listening and please do join me next year as we go into the woods with the culture bore.